from Psalm chapter 19. If you have a church Bible with you, that's on page 456, so it'll come up on the screen for you if you're happy to read from that. We're reading from the ESV. Psalm chapter 19, sentences 7 to 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They are to be more desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. My name's Gav. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's good to be up here today. I haven't been here for a while, so it's nice to be up here today. I'm a little bit nervous. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Anyway, we'll see how we go. Um, in case you're noticing, yes, I have a haircut. No, I didn't enjoy it. This is what you get when you go to the cheapest barber you can find and where the barber don't speak English. This is what you get. Anyway. He said to me, do you, want a, do you want a line in your haircut? I'm like, I don't want a line. I'm not 10. <laughs> and I'm not cool enough to have a line. I have grey hair now. Just leave it alone. Anyway, uh, that was my experience with Barbara this week. Um, uh, as Jess mentioned, we are looking at, uh, at four-week series, understanding what the church and what the church is to do and to be, re-church idea, and looking back at the Bible and what God says about his creation the church. And I think it's super helpful for a bunch of us because um, whether you're here and you're a member, you will uh, understand what we're aiming for, we're going to, to, to work towards as a church. Uh, if you're checking us out as a, a church, whether you come to or not, you're going to hear what we're trying to do as a church and where we're heading. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we'd love that you were here. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard about the church before and had experiences of the church, but said, I want to show you what Jesus says about it and the blessing it can be. So that's what we're doing today. Um, I'm going to pray and ask God that he would uh, speak to each of us. I want to pray that today will just not be another talk, another, another thing to tick the box on. Or you, you might normally sit here and just zone out or whatever you're playing your phone. I want to pray that today that God would grab your attention, that he would soften your heart, that he would speak to you and address you personally as we open his word, as the spirit grabs you and shows you amazing things about him. So I'm going to pray that right now. So let's talk to God together. God, you are, you are sovereign over all things, as Jez was just saying, that you, you have brought each of us here this morning, and that is no accident. You clearly want to speak to us and address our hearts and minds. And so we just ask that you would just help us to, to listen, to be still and know that you're God. Illuminate truths to us. Holy Spirit, make these truths uh, live inside us. Help us to have hearts and minds that are soft distracted thinking where we're going the week or what our week has been like, but help us just to sit and be fed by you, our great loving God. Lord, use me as your servant. Help me to speak your truth and help us to listen, to know you and love you more in light of what you say. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was uh, up here and I was talking to the, the new father, Chris Ainsley, and uh, I, I decided to jump on the bandwagon of the sugar-free diet. And I decided that just after Christmas that I was going to do this. Um, I decided around Christmas that I wasn't getting any older, uh, any younger, older. 
That'd be cool, wouldn't it? I would then be just be, you know, this age forever. Amazing. Oh, we're not getting any older. You know, I find it hard to find time to exercise. Um, and so uh, I, I really believe that what, what you eat really shapes your health. And so I had a conversation with Chris, and he said, look, it worked for me as long as you don't have any sneaky Big Macs, which he's been having. Um, and so I thought, I'll give it a go. Now, I'm 45 days in, sugar-free. Um, <laughs> sure, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. The encouragement. You know, the, the food I've been eating, you know, I've been having um, fruit, which has got natural sugar in it, and I'm uh, letting off the fruit and vegetables, and also unsweetened almond milk. Yuck. Anyway, that's, that is not good. Anyway, but no chocolates, no sweets, no desserts, those sort of things. Um, all the things that I love, and I really enjoy eating. I love junk food. I love chocolate ice cream. I love Messina. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I hear a few oh's over there too, you know. I recently liked Messina on Facebook. Bad move. I'm just seeing all this come up with like their new, uh, new flavours. Wow, I'm just salivating. Anyway, sugar-free, 45 days. Anyway, sugar-free, 45 days. That's what I thought. Until. The other day, we are at home and uh, my wife, Katie's been really good. She's been trying to jump on board with this sugar-free diet, but she's, she's not great at it. I often see her eating a sneaky magnum, like, what are you doing? Anyway, um, she, made, she made some sushi the other day at home and we are eating and I said, Katie, this is amazing. She's never made sushi before. This is so good. It tastes like the shop, like Sushi Man, like it's incredible. And I said to her, she's like, oh, thanks, Gav, you know, whatever. And I said, um, it tastes just like the shop. And I said, I know the shop. They put sugar in their, in their rice. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, but like, this is so good. Like, no sugar. This is amazing. She's like, yeah, I've got to admit something to, admit something to you. She said, I put, I put a bit of sugar in the rice. And I'm like, I feel betrayed. I feel like I've been sabotaged and deceived by you, Katie. And I did. We had a laugh about it. And uh, anyway, the funny thing is my kids have not let her live it down. So Indy, my middle daughter, keeps saying to her, Mummy, why, why did you trick Daddy for? Um, <laughs> and I really enjoy it. Uh, but what, what's, what's, interesting, what's interesting is that um, I could taste the sushi, I could taste the, you know, the, the sweetness in it. And uh, people say that when you go, you know, go back and eventually have you know, some, of, um, some chocolate or ice cream, the, the devil's food, and you have some, um, uh, there's like this party in your mouth. Like you have a piece of chocolate, like, whoa, so much sugar, it's an overload. And uh, what's interesting is uh, often, I, uh, I often I make breakfast for my kids in the morning. They all sit at the bench and I say, what do you want? They often say, oh, it's porridge. And so we have a porridge morning and I make the porridge and I put a, I put a teaspoon or a, a spoonful of, of brown sugar in there. And often when I put the brown sugar and I mix it up and I give it to them, the first thing they'll say to me is, Daddy, I can't taste the sugar. Now, I think they're too used to it. I think they probably had too much sugar. Probably bad parenting. And, uh, and they, they, it's so think they eat it too sweet and they can't actually taste the sugar in their mouth anymore. And uh, I, I think that we can, we can all be uh, like my kids sometimes, can't we? You know, we, we do something regularly enough or, and we get used to it. You know, uh, it, just, it just loses its, its taste or its sweetness or it loses its, its wow factor. It becomes bland and normal. You know, think, about, think about holidays for a second. If you go on a holiday and, uh, and it's an amazing destination, but if you go there again and again and again, it starts to become a little bit old, a little bit normal, a little bit uh, blasé, and you, you quickly move to try and go to another holiday spot, which is, which is better, or something more exciting, or, 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 or something that engages you more. And I think we are all like that. And I think sometimes that this thought, this thinking, can, uh, can, can infiltrate the church and how we view our, our, our Christian lives. You know, I think that sometimes... Uh, 
we can get a bit, um, a bit dry or a bit stale. We, we forget how good it is to know Jesus. We forget uh, all we have in Christ. As Ephesians 1 says, all the spiritual blessings we have in Him. And sometimes we get so used to it, we go through the motions and it becomes a bit mediocre, a little bland, a little boring. It loses its wonder. And sometimes we are tempted to move on or find something a bit more exciting to spice it up or, or, or to move on from it altogether. We start questioning, is it really worth it? Well, today I want to show you how understanding the church, how being together in a community is necessary if we're going to grow if we're going to keep on fighting the good fight, if we're going to keep on walking as followers of Jesus. And I want to say that when, when we're in community, understanding God's word together, we don't just survive, but actually we, we grow and we actually enjoy being followers of him. See, I think that as a follower of Jesus, Jesus hasn't saved us just so that you would you know, grit your teeth and grind out the days ahead of you. He wants you to grow and, be a, and, and have a joy and be a blessing to all around you. I want to say that the church helps us to do this. But I want to start by showing you one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. Jez read it for us. It's Psalm 19. Now, if you've been doing the read Scripture, which I have, which I've been, I've been loving, um, and it's so worth getting on to, uh, just the other day we did, we read Psalm 19 together. I'm going to read it for you. Let me show it on the screen. It says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. It's pretty clear and simple what Psalms are saying. He's talking about the law of the Lord and how good it is. But the question I want to ask him straight away is, do we believe what the psalmist is saying about the word of God? The law of the Lord or God's word, uh, his word to us, do we believe that it, it, it revives our soul? The psalmist says. Do we believe that God's word is right? It makes our heart rejoice. Do you believe that God's word is pure, that it lightens the eyes, that it helps us to make sense of the world that we live in? Do you believe that God's word endures, that it is active today, that it's personal to you? Do you believe, and I love this in sentence 10, that this word, this God's word is to be desired more than gold or money or wealth or whatever you can attain, and that actually it's sweeter than honey, it's tastier, it's to be desired, and it gives life and it gives joy. Do you believe that God's word corrects our wayward thinking and feelings? It warns us and it guides us and it leads us in the right path. And it keeps us from wandering on the road to destruction and wandering on the road that hurts, that, that hurts us and hurts others. Do you believe that God's word is personal, as I said? And it is, it is our personal word uh, from a loving heavenly dad who wants a relationship with you. Love what C.S. Lewis says, the Bible is God's personal words to each of us. We could write in the front of each of our Bibles, this is, you know, I could write uh, God's word to Gav. Do you believe that God's word is good and it's all we need and our souls need it? You know, I don't know if, if you know this story, but Luke 4 is the story of Jesus where he just starts his ministry. 
And uh, he goes in the desert to be tempted for 40 days, and he has no food, and he's hungry, and he's weary, and he's tired. And at the end of those days, Satan appears, and he tempts him, and Satan tries to distract him and drag him away from his purpose, from worshiping and honoring and living a life that God, that God his Father has called him to. And I think we can really resonate with this. Often we feel distracted, and we can feel we're dragged in different directions. But I love what Jesus does. I haven't been thinking thoughts before. I love what Jesus does here. When Satan comes at him, he refuses Satan. How? By using the word of God. He quotes the word of God to him three times to refute him. And one of the answers or parts of uh, his answer that Jesus quotes, he quotes Deuteronomy 8. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but rather every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We live, we breathe, we, we, we thrive through God's word. How do you flourish? How do you live? How do you stand for temptations that come at you? How do you know what's right and wrong? How do you walk the narrow path? How do you keep going? The answer here is by the Word of God. I want to show you one more psalm, and I love the psalms. I don't know if you saw the psalms before. The psalms are basically man's experience of the world given to us by God and trying to live for God. And they're very messy if you read them. It's very real and honest, and I love that. I want to read to you Psalm 73. And you're going to follow on with me. I want to kind of read the feeling and the emotion in this. Listen to what the psalmist is saying. Listen to his cry. He says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why is that? Well, he says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they had no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're healthy. They're doing well. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Their prize in their necklace, violence covers them as garments. Their eyes swell out of their fatness and their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongues struck through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and, no fault, uh, and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? They're mocking God. They're mocking followers of Jesus, a follower of God. Behold, these wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. For I said, I will speak thus, I will betray the generation of the children. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went in the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they're destroyed in a moment, swept away by other terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was a brutish and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you, toward you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you receive me into glory. Who am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My heart and my flesh may fail. But God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. We read this experience of a guy, a person who's living, and they look around them, and they can't understand what's going on. They honor God. They live for him. But everybody else is doing well. They've got food. They've got wealth. But he's being rebuked. He's, he's, he's not having a good time. And he's going, how is that fair? How is that fair, God? This world doesn't make sense to this person. He's saying, life sucks. 
Everyone has it easy but me. Did you notice the change? It came in sentence 16 and 17. Can you back it up for me, Flick? 16 and 17, the psalmist says, when I tried to work out in my own thinking, in my own experience, I couldn't do it. It was wearisome. It was too hard. I couldn't work it out. It wasn't until he entered the sanctuary of God. It wasn't until the psalmist came to God, most likely to the temple, and met with God, maybe opened, opened the Bible, and read and understood this life, and he got perspective. It made sense. Then he goes on to say, God, no matter what, you're with me, and I understand the bigger picture of life now. He says, you guide me, you counsel me, you receive me in glory. Then he says, who am I in heaven but you, God? You have me by the right hand. God's word reminds this person of who they really are, who he really is, and where they are going. It gives perspective. And that's what the Bible does. It gives perspective. God's word reminds us of who he is, who we are, and where we're all heading. I don't know about you, but it's like this steady ship. We jump back on again when we understand who God is and who we are. We often look at the world around us. We experience life being out of control. It seems like it's out of control. We go back to the God's word and we're reminded of who's in control of perspective and where it's all heading. It's perspective and food for our soul. But most importantly, the Bible reveals us, uh, to us God himself. We have this real relationship with him who we're made for. That's why it makes sense. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God breathed. It's from God. Hebrews 1 says that God has spoken to us by the prophets in the past, but now he speaks to us by his Son. The Bible is God's personal word to us every day. It's not just a book we read. It's not a textbook we read and we've got to tick off the box. It is a relational activity, as I've said before. So this is why, with all these things in mind, this is why every single week we open the Bible at City Light. Or here on a Sunday, in our small groups, we open the Bible. We believe and hold to the fact the Bible is the word of God. It's living and acting. And if we're going to grow and survive and keep going, we need the Bible to be sent with. We need to know God and his plan and his desires for our lives. But, but none of this is probably, probably new to you. Most of you probably know this already. It's pretty simple and basic, right? It's pretty simple. When I was 21... Uh, I enrolled at Macquarie University in a BA dip ed. I wanted to be a primary school teacher. Uh, I would really love to, still love to be a primary school teacher. Anyway, I wasn't very confident going to university. I hadn't done well in my HSC, so I was pretty afraid that um, I wasn't cope with the level of work and I wouldn't be smart enough to do it. So I remember enrolling in my art subjects and I turned up to my first lecture and it was called, I enrolled in sports, science and medicine. It had the word sports in it. And so I didn't know what it was, so I thought, I'm in. It turned out to be about probability, damn it, and stats. It was a big mistake. It was so boring. Anyway, um, but the saving grace was first lecture, we rocked in, and the lecturer said, now look, uh, there, are, there is one three-hour lecture, which is here on a, on a Tuesday afternoon from three to six, and there is one tutorial, but it is optional. I hear optional, like, wow, amazing. <laughs> Optional, what sucker would go to an optional tut tutorial? Not me. So, uh, great start, got that hour off. About eight weeks, eight weeks into the course, I quickly realized that there are a fair few people going to the optional tutorial. Uh, because at the tutorial, they would discuss all they need to know in the course, how to apply the formulas you were learning in the lectures, and how to actually do the course material. 
So from week nine, I thought it would be a good idea to turn up to the optional tutorials. Um, and uh, the lectures were good, but at these tutorials, you could ask you questions. You could uh, work out how the material uh, you learn in the, in, the, in the lectures applies. And uh, as, as it was being taught, you could discuss things with each, with each other. I realized you needed both the tutes and, and lectures if I was going to pass this subject. You know, I think when we think about it, I think this is a little bit similar to church. You know, as you know, we gather here on a Sunday. This is our Sunday gathering, in case you didn't know. Welcome to church. Um, we have a small group through the week that are called, as the video said, missional community groups. Missional communities. And the reason we have both Sundays and missional communities uh, is because we think that together they will help someone mature as a follower of Jesus. So you could come here on a Sunday morning and you could sing and you could hear a sermon, you could pray, and then you could go home again and say, see you next week. Out of 168 hours in your week, you come to church for about an hour and a half and then move on again. And that's fine. You'll hear the Word of God taught. God is speaking to you. But I think you could probably sit through over a thousand sermons and not be challenged to change. You could be hearing, uh, you could be hearing God speak to you on a Sunday, but not really living it out or doing much of what He's calling you to do. You could be not applying the Word of God to your life, not living any of this out, not loving anyone, not doing what He's called you to do, and no one would really know. They wouldn't. See, church, as Jesus created it, is not just about you and God and, 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 your, and your sermons online. That's not church. It's not church. Sunday gatherings where you mostly hear the sermons, you sing a few songs, and you see a few Christians for a, half an hour or so. Then you go home and you can live your life through the rest of the week. Next week we're going, to, we're going to talk about that. But I would say, honestly, if, you, if that was your experience of church, that was all of church for you, I would say that you're missing out. And I would say that's not really what God had in mind when he, when he sent his son to die for the church. When he speaks about church. See, we, we have these small groups and other churches call them different things. We call them missional communities where we open the Bible and as the majority of you know, when in those small group times, we, we sit around the, the Bible, as the girls were saying, and those passages that we look at are the same that we looked at on the Sunday. And we discuss it together, and we ask questions, and we learn from one another. I, I love what Nat was saying, that idea of the, the, the Spirit illuminates different truths to each, other, to each of us, and we, we share what God has taught us as we open the Bible. And we teach one another as God teaches us. And we share what God has taught us. We spur one another on and we help each other to apply what God has said to us as we think about how to live out what God is calling us to do and be in his world. And then we have people in our small groups helping us to do what we're called to, to keep us accountable, praying for us, supporting us, being in contact throughout the week, checking in on how we're doing, truly being a family, again, as those girls said, centered around God's word and helping each other to live out the word of God and obey it. Now, I don't know about you, but I love being in a small group where I, I, I see people who, who are younger than me get excited when God reveals something new to them. You know, I've been a Christian for almost 20 years now, over 20 years now, actually. And it's tough. My feelings as a follower of Jesus, they will go up and they'll go down. Sometimes I feel like it, sometimes I don't feel like it. That's the nature of being a human in our emotions. What I love seeing and hearing and it's from other people when they grow in their faith, how God is still at work today. Sometimes I think, oh, no, God's not at work today. But then I see people in my small group, and God is clearly at work in their life. 
God is changing them, shaping them, growing them, giving them courage to obey and to go and make disciples. And I'm reminded, yes, God is still at work today. He's worth following. It is good to be known by him. I'm seeing that within the church context. I'm seeing that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and it's, his death on the cross is everything for me. As we see this played out in small groups. You know, I said at the start that we can often get into that pattern of growing cold in our faith and, and going to neutral and losing the order of the gospel. I want to say one way to fight against that and one gift that's been given to us from God is the church. As we meet together to discuss, to remind each other how good it is to be known by God, to say to each other, keep on fighting, hang in there. It's worth it. How can I love you? How can I support you? How can I remind you of Scripture? To see and hear from God. I want to say, and the Bible says, you are made so that you need church. As those girls were saying, you, you can't be a lone wolf. You can't do it. That's the way God has created it. You need to meet with other followers of Jesus if you're going to grow. Growing in your love of Jesus, and the fancy word for that is sanctification. So sanctification is actually a community project. Let me say that again. Sanctification, growing your love of Jesus, is a community project. It's a church community project. We need one another. We need to meet together regularly. I don't know if you've read the book of Acts. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, the early church is established. Jesus has just risen from the dead and he's ascended to on high and he gives his commission to go make disciples. And in early, early Jerusalem, uh, the, the, the Roman authorities and the Jews are coming down hard on the early church. Persecution, people being killed, they're afraid. And we said the early church looks small, a little pitiful. And they are just being chased and hunted. And so what do they do? Acts 2 and Acts 4 tell us that they gather together. How often? Daily. And they pray and they read and they remind each other, no, it's worth it. Hang in there. It's worth it. Keep on hanging. And they point to the bigger picture. I want to say that you and I here living in Sydney in our culture, we are not hunted down or persecuted for our faith as the early church was, but I believe our faith is in just as much danger. Our enemy is not persecution, it is apathy. It is being too busy for Jesus. It is not wanting to be different and miss out. It's prioritizing career and money and even family above Jesus and his church. That's our enemy today. And we need each other. We need to be meeting with each other regularly, hearing from God, praying, in for, praying for each other, checking in, reminding each other of the bigger picture. This life is not it. There is more to come. I love what Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says. It says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another more. Why? As you see the day of Jesus approaching. In light of what is to come, Meet with one another and say, you can do it, we can do it, hang in there. There's more to come. And that's what we're heading for. You see this again and again. 1 Thessalonians 5, Ephesians 4, they all speak of this idea of being in community together to encourage one another to keep on running the race for Jesus. Growing into maturity as a follower of Jesus is a community project. We need each other to put our faith into action and to live out what God calls us to be. I know without other followers in my life, I would have grown cold and shrunk back a while ago. Because that's how God has made it. You know, I want to say that Christianity is not hard to understand. It's just hard to live out. It really is hard to live out. 
And that's why God's given us His Holy Spirit and the gift of the church to spur one another on. I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine. He doesn't go to this church. I had lunch with him this week. And we were chatting. I was seeing how he was going. And I asked him how he was doing. He said, look, I'm not doing great in my, in my walk with Jesus. Um, it's been months now since I've opened the Bible. Um, I'm feeling distant from God. I'm cold. don't have much desire. And we chatted some more. It just seemed like that this guy had not put, in his, put his faith into action at all over the last few months. He hadn't lived out his faith. There was no need for him to read the Bible. There was no need for him to pray. There was no need for him to need anybody else because he was just doing his thing. He hadn't lived out what God has called him to do and to be. See, what I love about our small groups, our missional communities is, is, and having missions so central is that we're encouraging one another to put into practice what God is calling us to do. And we need him to come through. We need him to come through and we need him to, to answer our prayers day by day. You know, your, our faith is not about, our faith doesn't start and end with us. Our faith is not just about making us feel better. I think if your faith starts and ends with you, you won't last very long in the Christian walk. Jesus has made you a child for the death and resurrection of Jesus so that you would be, uh, declare his glory to all people, that you would be a light to the nations. So we would do something with our faith. And this is not easy, so we need to rely on him and we need to encourage him from the church, from one another, to do that, to go. Think of Ephesians 2, if you know that passage where it says, by, you know, it's one of the famous ones, by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves, it's a gift from God so that no one can boast. And we often stop there. But if you go further to the end of this, the last sentence says, it says this, it says, For we are created, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand for us to do. We are saved, not for ourselves, but so we will do good and show Christ to the world. It goes on. Our walk with Jesus doesn't start and end with us. It's to be lived out and to be obeyed and we mature and we experience a deeper joy when we do this. In missional communities, we do this. It should be the first place we do that. I just want to finish up by saying today, I just wanted to show you, I wanted to show you from the Bible what church is about and the absolute need for the Word of God in our lives. And that's why it's central on a Sunday in our missional communities. But I also wanted to show you the, the absolute need to do this in community that you would grow and thrive. My desire as a pastor, and, and if you know me, you know that is what I love doing, and I, I take that such a big calling that we would all go on to glory. And I would hate for any of us not to do that. And so this is what I say this out of love, but we need one another because, because growing is a community project. We need each other to help understand the Bible, to apply and to live it out. So my question I want to ask you is, do you believe God when he says that you need other Christians to grow? And what does that look like in your life? To be a part of, of needing others to follow Jesus? Or are, are we in this still this individual, individualistic culture where I don't need you, I'll keep you at arm's distance, um, you can know this much but no further, I'll come when I have time. We think we can do it by ourselves. And God is saying, you can't. You can't. So I want to say, if you are in a missional community group, your group needs you. 
The individual followers of, of, of your group need you to grow. They need you to spur them on, to share what God has taught you, to pray for them, to help them out, to reach out during the week, to love them, to help figure out how to live as a follower of Jesus, to notice when they're not around, to be in their lives, to be a person they would come to and say, hey, I'm just really struggling. They need you to walk alongside them and you need them. That's church. And God has given us as a gift to be a blessing for us. We are in this together. Sanctification is really a community project. And I wonder if you believe that. I want to pray for us right now. Father, we pray that and thank you for this gift of church. And Lord, we, we often struggle to to understand this, we've, a lot of us have been hurt and burnt by bad church experiences. We heard in that video with Ella. We want to pray, Lord, that we would come back to what you say to us about the church in it being a blessing. And I just want to pray for anyone right here now who has been hurt by any church leaders, any church experiences of the past, who have even been in a small group that has had, has had a bad experience and they've been burnt, but I want to pray, Father, that you would empower them by your spirit to not to give up, but rather to keep going forward, knowing they need the church. I want to pray that I would see themselves, that we would see ourselves as an important piece of your plan to build one another up and to go and make disciples. So, Lord, I want to pray for us as we leave here and as we, right now as we sing praises to you, that we would be engaging with one another. If there's any hurt, we pray you would help us to let go. Any bitterness, help us to let go of that. Just be on about you and growing together as a family who shines your light for all who need to see it. Thank you for your son and thank you for what you're doing here, Lord. Amen. Here at City Light, we don't move away quickly from when we hear God speak to us. We give you time to reflect. We're going to take some time now in the quietness of our mind to reflect on what God has said to you. Then we're going to sing.